May God speak to you through today's message from Pastors Adam Jungblut and Ryan Loxmo. Well, good morning. <laughs> good morning. My name is Ryan Loxmo. I'm the small groups pastor. And this morning we're going to do you can some... introduce me? You're just going to go right into it. You just introduced yourself like two minutes ago. Here's the thing. Nobody listens to the connection card talk. <laughs> How many of y'all just stared at me when I said, fill out your connection card? Didn't even touch the pen that's in your seat? Show, <laughs> no, don't show of hand. That's depressing for me. No, no. No, no, no. Don't do that. We don't want to know. All right. Adam Junglet, membership ministry pastor. Okay. Thank we you. got it. We, we you. have it. We and know your mic's you, a little louder, too. We know who you saying. are. Yeah. Let's continue. <laughs> <laughs> All right, <laughs> look, today we're going to do something a little bit different. As pastors, we get asked a ton of questions, questions about the Bible, questions about God, Jesus Christ, parenting, finances, uh, job security and job future, which way is God leading? It just kind of comes with the territory. But look, there's a handful of questions that we get asked far more than any others. And so today, uh, Ryan and I have lightly scripted, lightly scripted fair. Yeah, more or less. Lightly scripted. Makes <laughs> it sound good. Lightly scripted. Lightly scripted. Uh, some answers to some common questions that we get asked. Some frequently asked questions uh, that we receive just on our staff. Now look, all of these questions and their answers are things that Ryan and I have had to wrestle with and deal with in our own relationship with Christ, on our own spiritual journey. And along the way, we've had some really defining moments. And so, all right, Ryan, to kick us off, tell everybody the story that you told me this week about the defining moment that you had in high school. Yeah, so um, a defining moment came for me when I was 15 years old. Uh, I had grown up in church. I was a Christ follower. I had a great family. Um, and I was doing okay spiritually, but uh, my parents didn't want me to be just okay spiritually. Um, what was going on is I, had, uh, I was a musician. I had joined the band in the adult main service uh, in our church, and it was a church actually a lot like the park. It was a larger church, and uh, being a part of that band required so much commitment. It was all three services uh, every Sunday, and so uh, I couldn't go to the youth group because of that. So I was basically uh, every Sunday hanging out with a bunch of old people on the stage. <laughs> <laughs> no offense, Pat. Pat, no offense, old people. That's all good. I don't think he's in here. That's I don't good. know where right. he is. Yeah. <laughs> all right, that's good. Um, but look, even though I was serving in that uh, capacity, my parents could see something dangerous happening in my life. Uh, they could see that I was starting to disconnect from uh, people my age at church and the ministry that was seeking to make God's truth uh, relevant for my life and, and uh, apply it to kind of my stage, um, you know, of growing up. And, and uh, my parents could also see that my prospects for Christian friendships were really going down because I didn't have that many Christian friends at school. And so um, my mom got in touch with uh, our youth pastor, without telling me, and uh, hatched a plan to try to get <laughs> me to come back to uh, the youth group. And so what happened was one Sunday, I was uh, hanging out backstage with the band, like during one of the services, and uh, all of a sudden, my youth pastor walks in, and he, he had a video camera, and it really was one of these like big shoulder deals. Yeah. He had a big Those video camera, days. and he was like, hey, Ryan, I'm doing this uh, survey, and I've got some questions. I'd love to ask you if you wouldn't mind answering. And I said, great. And so he asked me some questions. I don't even remember what the questions were, honestly. But uh, what I do remember is he finished, he turned off the camera and he looked right at me and he said, Ryan, I think you need to come back to the youth ministry. And it was just like a switch flipped. Mm. And I just realized, you know what, I I do need to come back. And pretty much from that point forward for the rest of high school, I was, you know, every Wednesday, every Sunday, I was at church. And uh, I actually got involved in the youth band. And a lot of those guys became uh, my closest friends and, and 
Um, actually ended up uh, meeting a talented singer in that band, uh, my wife, Ashley. Ah, nice so. bonus. I'm just being honest. Sorry. <laughs> so <Yeah>. look, <laughs> after high school, um, a lot of those friends I made uh, continued to be my closest friends, and some of my other friends that weren't really following Christ just kind of, you know, faded away. And um, and during that time, I was in college. That same youth pastor offered me a job to work uh, part time in on the youth staff, and um, and then I began to develop as a leader. And and he challenged me a couple years down the road. Uh, that after I finished college to think about going to seminary, um, which I did, and then uh, eventually ended up here at the park. But, you know, I can look back at that moment in, in my life when I was 15, um, and I can say that really was a defining moment for me. My experiences in that youth ministry, they grew me spiritually, they surrounded me with Christian friends and influences, um, developed me as a leader, and really prepared me for ministry. And God really used my parents at that key moment in my life, um, you know, just to... Uh, intervene in my spiritual life. Yeah, that's, yeah. that's really cool. And you seriously have some cool parents. I really do. Yeah, I'm really do. thankful. So, yeah. All right, your turn. Did you hear that, Ryan? It's mom and dad on the podcast. Yep. If you're going to be listening. Hope you heard right, that, dad. There you go, yep. <laughs> he literally will listen to that later. I know today. he will. That's why I just gave you the <laughs> shout out. All right. All right, your turn. Uh, what, what would you say is kind of a defining moment for you spiritually? Yeah, you know, uh, looking back, a lot of defining moments in my spiritual life. One that sticks out is a defining moment now. Honestly, when it happened, I seemed just like a bunch of nothing. Um, honestly, I, I grew up, I grew up Catholic, Catholic school, Catholic church, whole nine yards. I love the Catholic church and, and still do. I'm a big fan of Pope Francis. And we, we had one of those Catholic churches, St. John Vianney. Some of y'all might, you know, know where it is in Houston. Um, one of those Catholic churches, it was just an amazing church, a great church home for us. I have great memories of serving, going to Bible study with my dad at his men's group, trips that we went on. It was just that quintessential home church for us. Well, when I went off to college at TCU in Fort Worth, naturally, I started going to the Catholic churches in the area. But, you know, honestly, none of them. None of them had that same feeling. None of them have that home church feeling that I just couldn't recreate it. The, you know, college groups were really small. It was awkward, and I was really frustrated. And, you know, I remember one day calling my dad, and I called him at, at, at his office, and we were just talking, and, and church came up in the conversation. And so I, I remember telling him kind of my frustrations and what I was dealing with, and this was when the defining moment came. My, my dad stopped, and my dad said, said, look at him. Your mom and I, we chose the Catholic church because that's where God was leading us for our family to plant and grow for our home church. He said, look, if you stay at a church that you don't feel comfortable in, that you're not growing in, it's actually doing us a disservice of what we taught you. He said, so go find a place where you can grow. I was like, whoa. I mean, I, 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 that, that, honestly, that thought had never even entered you know, my mind. And so I remember thinking that next Sunday of trying to find a church, I mean, I wanted to find something on the total opposite side of the spectrum than the Catholic mass that I had grown up in. So I talked to a couple of friends. They're like, hey, you got to go to this church. And so I went to this church. It was the first time I was exposed to really nothing else growing up. And so you got to remember, altar boy walks into this church. And when praise and worship started, people literally got up and started running up and down the aisles. <laughs> I had never seen anything like it. It was awesome. I... I loved it. I had an absolute best. I went for a handful of the next couple of weeks. I mean, church and a cardio workout in one. Done. You just can't find yeah. it. Yeah. I know. So 
even though I like it, I realized that the whole other side of the spectrum was not for me either. <laughs> so I wound up bouncing around from uh, Episcopal churches, Methodist churches, Bible churches, and I wound up landing on a really small Presbyterian church plant. About 200 people. We set up chairs in a rented facility. And it was really small. Nothing like what I expected, but it just felt like home. And when Robin and I got married, she was on staff at a Baptist church, so I became Baptist. And it was, I know. What would you do? Yeah, I know. I didn't say anything. But here's what I learned from that defining moment. That it doesn't have, it's, church is not the focus. Relationship with Jesus Christ is the emphasis. That's what it's all about. Church is never supposed to be the center of your life. Jesus Christ was supposed to be the center. And that's what I learned in that Mm. defining moment. That's a great story. I actually didn't realize you visited that many types of churches in between. Yeah, it it was a really fun season of my life in college. So, all right. Let's get to these most frequently asked questions to pastors. And this first one, honestly, this is the question that we get asked more than any of the others. So, Ryan, how do I know that God is speaking to me? How about you get that one? All right, well, this really is um, a question that we get all the time, and Christians really have been wrestling with this for, you know, a couple thousand years. We pray, we want to hear God's voice, we seek his guidance, um, but sometimes it's tough to figure out, like, is he speaking to me? Is this just kind of my gut feeling? Like, mm-hmm. how do you figure out what's going on? Um, so how do you know if God is speaking to you? Here's your fill-in. I recognize his voice because I am actively seeking to know him by daily reading my Bible. Look at John ten twenty seven. This is Jesus talking. He says, my sheep listen to my voice. I know them and they follow me. So how do you know God's voice? Primarily through scripture. I mean, have you ever thought about what the Bible is? I mean, the God of the universe who created everything, stopping to take the time and literally tell us what he wants for us, desires for us, what his will is, what his intentions are, I mean, that's what the Bible is. And, uh, you know, the Bible, that's why we talk about it's God's living word. You know, it's, it's like when you read the Bible, it's like God is literally speaking to you as if the Bible is being written for the first time for you right then. Dude, that's good. Did you, did you come up with that first time right then for you? Did you come up down on your own? No, I got that off Wikipedia. <laughs> <laughs> I just jacked it. Yeah, anyway, well. let's look at Hebrews 4. So... Hebrews 4.12 says, for the word of God is living and active. Underline living and active. Okay? It's living and active. Sharper than any double-edged sword. It penetrates even to dividing soul and spirit, joints and marrow. It judges the thoughts and attitudes of the heart. See, I think what people are looking for a lot of times in terms of hearing God's voice is, like, for God to speak clearly to them individually, specifically, like, maybe even audibly, in every circumstance, like, mm-hmm. like that they're waiting for a tailor-made kind of revelation every time. And look, that does happen. That does happen. Um, but look, God has already told us everything we need to know for this life in the Bible. It's mm-hmm. all here. And it is a standard against which we can figure out, is God speaking to me or is this just kind of myself that I'm hearing here? Uh, look at this passage in Romans, Romans 12, 2. This is a really famous verse. It's a great one to memorize. It says, Do not conform any longer to the pattern of the world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. And underline this next sentence. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is. His good, pleasing, and perfect will. Yeah, such a good verse, dude. Seriously. Look, 
This is what Paul is saying in this verse. When we become Christ followers, we are on a new path, okay? We're not following the path of the world. We're not being molded into the the shape of the world, but we are being molded more and more into the shape of Christ. And the way that we renew and transform our mind, like the verse talks about, is to take in as much of his word as possible. Because as the verse says, then we will be able to test and approve what God's will is. Because we will know him better. We'll know him better. And we'll, we'll, we'll recognize his voice. Um, in that verse where it says, test God's will, the, the word test is a translation of a Greek word that has to do with authenticating coins. Being able to tell if something's counterfeit or real. And so that's what the word of God is. That's what scripture is. is our way to identify, you know, this is really God's voice because I know him. Uh, versus just kind of my own thoughts mm-hmm. about things. Let me give you an example. All right. Um, Adam, if somebody came up to me and said, you know that Adam Jungblut guy, he loves the Dallas Cowboys. I would say, you are lying because right. I know Adam and he hates the Cowboys. Preach it, baby. In fact, come on. it's kind of weird how much he talks about how much he <laughs> hates the Cowboys. It's actually quite insecure. But uh, look, <laughs> I'm sorry. Someone Watch had to it, say dude, it. Steady. All right. Steady. But look, you have to know someone to know what they would say, right? So let me give you a couple more examples. If someone were to say, you know what? I feel like God is telling me um, that I should leave my spouse because I really just feel very happy and attracted to this other person. And, um, you know, I, I think he wants me to be happy. And, and so, you know, I feel like he's telling me that's okay. If you knew God, you would know he would never say that, mm. okay? Mm-hmm. Here's another example. I feel like God's telling us that tithing is really not that important. It shouldn't be a priority for us. We've got some bills we need to catch up on. So I feel like God's telling us that. If you know God, you would know he would not tell you that. How about this? Um, I feel like God just wants me to be happy, and I really love this person who's my boyfriend or girlfriend, and I think it's okay. I think God would be fine with us sleeping together before we get married. If you knew God, you would know he would never tell you that. Or, I'm, I'm getting it here. It's like if God told me that I don't have to join a small group. Boom. <laughs> I like it. I wasn't even going there. Yeah, All right. yeah. <laughs> That's funny. No, I get it, right? It makes total sense of knowing God. You're able to, you know, tell what you're feeling based on the Bible just because you know him. That's good. It's good. I tell you, it's amazing. Theologians have struggled with that issue for centuries, and you really just cleared it up in a couple of minutes for us. Nailed it. (laughs) I got another frequently asked question for you, Ryan. How do I talk to my kids about sex? Sex. You want me to answer it? Yeah. (laughs) My son is eight weeks old. No, yeah, no. All right, we, we haven't really covered that. I mean, we're making great strides when it comes to, like, realizing his hand is attached to his body. <laughs> but, you know, sex, we're not quite. Like, you have four kids. Why don't you handle that one? I asked you first. Seriously, <laughs> we're going to just keep doing this? We, we've reached that point. We've reached that point. Okay, all right. Actually, this is one of the most common questions uh, that we get asked as pastors. And since we wanted to make it a little bit awkward in here talking about sex, we thought we would bring it up. Now, look, we don't have enough time to go through in detail 
how to have this conversation. But what we wanted to give you are three resources that will give you a strong base and a platform to kind of launch this conversation with so you can be ahead of the game uh, before they reach the age where they're really starting questions and, and you know what they're dealing with if they're already in junior high and high school. Here are the three resources that you, honestly, you need to have these. The first is a resource called Passport to Purity. That's your fill-in. Passport to Purity. This is a, a resource that literally goes by a stage of life all the way from when they're uh, honestly eight weeks old, Ryan, <laughs> all the way through high school so that you can know what you need to bring up and what you need to teach them at this stage so they can be prepared for the next stage. An excellent resource that you need. The next one that you need is the parent blog that we have here at Parkway Fellowship. We have a parent blog, and honestly, uh, just a couple of weeks ago, Jenny, our kids' pastor, did a three-week series on how to have this conversation with your kids. There is a ton of resources on this blog. There's the URL to it right there. You've got to be connected to the parent blog. And then the third resource that we have is a book. It's called Questions Kids Ask About Sex. This book is literally just filled with questions that kids have at every age level when they're thinking about and kind of put, trying to put the pieces together about sex so you know where they are and you know the right answers to bring up. So look, get these resources, read ahead so that you can be prepared for when your kids ask questions and you know what to be teaching them ahead of time so they can come up with the answers on their own. So that's good stuff. Those are great resources. All right, let's look at another uh, frequently asked question. This is one that, um, it's one that people sometimes don't realize they have, uh, but we, mm-hmm. we sort of find out that they do through the process. Uh, we talk to people who are struggling in all different areas of life, whether it's a relationship or, or their job or their finances or something like that, and they just, they just feel unhappy. They just feel unhappy, and they're trying to make changes, and, and eventually they seem to ask some form of the question, doesn't God want me to be happy? Mm-hmm. And uh, Adam, what would you say about... Um, God's plan for our lives and kind of how our happiness relates to that. Yeah, it's a great question. And it would make sense. I mean, wouldn't God want us to be happy? And like, he does, but it's, he wants us to be happy kind of on his terms and his definition of happiness. Because, see, Ryan, what, what's happiness for me might not be happiness for you. Here's a great example. I love my in-laws. Robin's parents are absolutely fantastic. I would be very happy... If they lived right next door to us, would you be happy if your in-laws were your next-door neighbors? Do we want a show of hands in this room? (laughs) Marriage series is next. No. (laughs) Look, that's the thing. Happiness is different for everybody. I mean, from gender to age to stage of life to where you live, happiness is different for us all. And, And that's where the problem lies in the question, doesn't God want me to be happy? Here's your answer. Yes, God wants you to be happy. And here's your feeling. Because following Jesus Christ brings lasting happiness no matter the circumstances. Yes, God wants you to be happy. Because following Jesus Christ brings lasting happiness no matter the circumstances. Now look, if you're expecting to feel happy 100% of the time, that's not going to happen. Nothing actually promises that. God honestly wants something more for you than just feeling happy. He wants what the Bible calls blessed. Jesus actually tackles this issue in the very beginning of his first sermon, the Sermon on the Mount in Matthew 5. It's in your sermon notes right there. Let's take a look at it. Matthew 5. 
It's this blessed. Uh, some translations actually use the word happy here. So it would say, happy are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when people insult you, persecute you, and falsely say all kinds of evil against you because of me. That sounds like a blast. <laughs> yeah, no, that's my definition of happiness. <laughs> now, look, I, look at how it finishes in 12. Rejoice and be glad, because great is your reward in heaven. Look, would you naturally think that those who mourn are happy, or those that are persecuted are happy, or those that are constantly insulted are so happy? No. No? Rhetorical. <laughs> Rhetorical. But look, you're right. You see, what Jesus is teaching us here is that in God's economy, things aren't always as we would assume or think they would be. I think about it for a second. In God's economy, the last shall be first and the first shall be last. In God's economy, if somebody wrongs you, you forgive them. You don't seek revenge. In God's economy, if somebody slaps you, you turn the other cheek. A lot of times the definition that we would have in God's economy, it's the complete opposite. Okay, so what does this mean, though, for our happiness? Like, does that mean God wants us to be unhappy? <laughs> no, no. It's not that. God, God wants us to be happy, but the problem is, is that so often our definition of happiness is very nearsighted. You see, what might make us happy right now might cause financial ruin down the road. Or it might cause our kids to one day hate us. Or it might cause a shortening of your life, just to be honest with you. And so, look back at verse 12 of what it said. Look, rejoice and be glad, because great is your reward in heaven. You see, God wants us to be happy now and for all of eternity. If you live your life based on your immediate feeling of happiness, uh, changes from relationships to jobs to where you live, based on how you feel happy at the time, You're destined for a life that has zero fulfillment, very few friends, filled with loneliness, and you're completely unsatisfied. That is not happy. Look what the Bible has to offer based on happiness. Look what it says in John 10.10. I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. Psalm 37.4. Take delight in the Lord, and he will give you the desires of your heart. Okay, so on that one, if I delight in the Lord, I can like have a million dollars, like a Ferrari, or start that boy band, or whatever. (laughs) No, you kind of said more things than what we had in our lightly script. I (laughs) I just thought I'd throw it in there. Yeah, just a little bit more. Yeah. No, 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 no. Look, because if you're delighting in the Lord, if, if you're happy in your relationship with him, you would know that those things, Ryan, can't bring you lasting happiness. Honestly, if you're happy following Christ, those wouldn't even be the things that you would think of when you're thinking of the definition of happiness. Look, what it boils down to is if you want to be happy, follow Christ. You'll be what the Bible calls blessed. That's good. You know what? That answer makes me happy. Oh, well, thank you. (laughs) You know what would make me happy? Is if you could answer the question, why do bad things happen to good people? Now, books are written on this. You've got about five minutes. All right, here we go. Uh, Yeah, so this question, yeah, it really is one that we get all the time, um, and it's a stumbling block. For a lot of people. And the question of why uh, bad things happen to good people, it's, it's really transcended the conversation in the church. I mean, this is a question that we hear just in society, in our culture, on the news and on TV and all over the place. And, um, you know, it's this question of, okay, you tell me that God's good and he's loving. Like, why are all these bad things happening? 
okay? So why do bad things happen to good people? Here's your fill-in. The answer is wrong question, all right? (laughs) Wrong question. Sorry. (laughs) Look, here's the problem with that question. Here's the problem with that question. It assumes that we deserve good things in our life or that we are owed good things. You see, the question should be, why do good things happen at all? Like, why, why do good things ever happen to me? Um, you see, the Bible makes it clear. We live in a fallen world. It's a world that has pain. It's a world that has uh, sin and evil and, and death and all of that. Um, God designed the world to be perfect and to not have any of those things. But because of the choices of humanity, sin came into the world, and that perfect place that God created was damaged. Um, and now we live in a world where there are good people who have things happen to them that are bad. And we have bad people that have things happen to them that we think, well, that's kind of good. Why did that happen to that person? Um, but here's the thing. God does not owe us good all mm-hmm. the time. In fact, he did offer us that at the very beginning, and we traded it in for something else. Yeah, I wish we could have that one back. Hashtag fail Adam and Eve. <laughs> yeah. Seriously. <laughs> Look, <laughs> Look, God helped us out a lot on this question, though, um, by giving us the book of Job in the Bible. It's in the Old Testament. Uh, Job was one of the good guys. He followed God. He, he had a great life. Um, but in a moment, he lost all of his family, uh, his house, all of his money. I mean, he literally became destitute, like in an instant. Um, Adam, it would be like if an arsonist burned down your house with your family inside. And by the way, before he did that, he stole your identity and drained all your bank accounts. Mm. I mean, what would you think about God in that moment? I'd be ticked. I'd be angry, frustrated. It's honestly one of those things that I don't even want to think about it. Yeah, well, look how Job responds. It's in your notes. Um, Then Job arose and tore his robe and shaved his head. Those are mourning rituals, okay? And he fell on the ground. Get this, he worshiped. And he said, naked I came from my mother's womb and naked shall I return. The Lord gave and the Lord has taken away. Underline this next phrase. Blessed be the name of the Lord. In all of this, Job did not sin or charge God with wrong. It's awesome. You see, most of the book of Job is about him dealing with that suffering that happened to him and wondering why it happened. And look, everybody in his life is trying to get him to just curse God, just say God is you know, wrong or bad. His wife tells him, his friends tell him, but Job doesn't because he knows that God's goodness is not dependent on the circumstances of his life. And he doesn't have that spiritual sense of entitlement that like, I deserve good things to be happening to me, and, you know, if anything goes wrong, then, then God must not be good, or maybe he's not even real. Okay, so what you're saying is because we live in a fallen world, because we're sinful, the fact that good things even happen at all, that's the remarkable thing. Exactly. So if why do bad things happen to good people is not the right question, what, what should we be thinking when it comes to this? Well, the right question to ask is really this, and this is in your notes. What are the good things God is doing in my life, and how can I show my gratitude? That's, that, that is really what we should be thinking about. That's the right question. And um, when it comes to gratitude, the first thing on our list should be thanking God for what Christ did for all of us on the cross. Look at Romans 5.8. It's just going to drive this point uh, home even more. Romans 5, 8, but God demonstrates his own love for us in this, underline this phrase, while we were still sinners, Mm. while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. You see, we didn't deserve it. 
God owed us nothing. But while we were still sinners, in other words, while we were actively hurting God and putting distance between us and him, he came after us to restore that relationship. You see, that was God's plan all along when he created the world, was to be able to have a relationship with us perfectly for all of time. But sin came into the world because of the choices of humanity, and that put distance between us and God. And that's why he sent his son Jesus Christ into the world to pay the penalty of all of my sins and all of yours to bridge that gap so that we can have a relationship with God for all of eternity as he originally intended it. And by the way, it's a free gift. It is a completely free offer that God has made to us. You just have to accept it. Um, At the bottom of your notes, there is a sample prayer to become a Christ follower. If you've never done that in your life, um, do it today. You can do it right now. Do it while the band is playing the song, after the service. Don't wait any longer. God loves you, and he wants that relationship with you. Thanks, Ryan. Ryan and I, our prayer for you is that you would take these questions and look at these answers, and hopefully that you would have a defining moment in your spiritual life. I, I, I would love for it if later on you can look down the road and that you'd be able to say that today was a defining moment for you, when you had to face questions and their answers and really think about it and follow after Christ a little bit more. Look, along the way, you're going to have more questions. If you have any difficult questions, Pastor Mike's Twitter handle is inside (laughs) the the worship guide. Ask him all of the difficult ones. If you have an easy one, Ryan and I are always here for you. We would absolutely love to help out. All right. Everybody take out your connection card. I want you to take a next step or steps in response to this message. Hey, here's the first one. As a parent or grandparent, I commit to play an active role in my children or grandchildren's spiritual life. You know, based off Ryan's story and what his parents did, would you make that commitment to play that active role in your kids' or grandkids' life? Look, maybe for you it's this next one. To recognize God's voice in my life, I will increase my weekly Bible reading by two days a week. So look, if you're reading your your Bible one day a week, uh, look, increase it to three. Or if you're reading it four, increase it to six. Look, whatever it is, increase it by two days. There is a Bible reading plan on our app, by the way, on our church app. If you go to it, there is a plan of what you're to read every single day, and it's really good. So here's the next one. I will purchase the recommended materials and commit to begin talking to my kids about sex. Look, check that box and get those materials. If you check this box, I will send you a link to sign up for the parent blog that we have here so that every time the blog is updated, you'll be notified. Maybe for you, it's this fourth one. I will seek happiness by following Christ, not by following my own ideas and feelings. Maybe for you, it's to commit to make a list of all the good things God is doing in my life this week. Like, would you make that commitment this week to make that list? Maybe for you, it's to become a Christ follower for the first time in my life. If you've never prayed a prayer, like the one at the bottom of your sermon notes, to ask Christ to come into your life and then pledge your life to follow him, do it right now. Do it in just a couple seconds when Pat and the worship team come up. But look, if that's you, check that box. Be sure to write your name, email, and address on here. There's some stuff that we want to send you. Also, on your way out, by every door is a packet called New Believer Packet. Grab one of those on your way out. Maybe for you, it's this last next step. I will not forget that next Sunday is Mother's Day. (laughs) Yeah, you're welcome for that one, dads. That's right. Look, check that box. I will send you another reminder email on Thursday, just in case you forget. (laughs) 
Do not forget, next Sunday is Mother's Day. All right, let me close this with prayer. And Pat and the worship team, or the old guys, as you mentioned, Ryan, <laughs> uh, come up. Hey, dear Heavenly Father, thank you so much for today. God, and I thank you that along the way of realizing these questions and these answers in our lives, that we can have defining moments. God, I pray that you would use today's message in all of us, God, to draw us closer to your son. God, that through, through the Bible and through following him, we would begin to hear you speaking to us in our lives, God, that we would find happiness through that. God, and that we would be grateful for the great things and the good things that you are doing in our life. So, Lord, we come before you now and asking that your blessing would be, on, would be on us, would be on our families, and would be on our church. God, would you go before us this week to protect us and bless us and bring us back together safely next week together. We love you. We ask all this in your name. Amen. Thank you for taking the time to listen to this message. For more information about Parkway Fellowship, find us online at parkwayfellowship.com or facebook.com slash parkwayfellowship. You can also download our mobile app for access to the most recent messages, video content, and much more. It is available both in the Apple App Store and Android's Google Play.